Great to have each one of you here. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Well, it's hard for me to believe, maybe not you, but hard for me to believe that we've had 22 birthdays since our very first service, and we actually opened on this exact date 22 years ago, June 3rd, 1990. And over those years... As a church body, we've seen lots of growth. We've seen lots of changes take place. But if you're newer here to Canyon this morning, I just want to say to you, our mission has never changed. Our mission is the same. The reason that this church body exists is for us to make more and better disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ here and everywhere. And all of God's people said, Amen. And that mission just didn't come out of somebody's head. Jesus said this, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. And he means Larry too there. (laughs) To the very end of the age. So our mission has always been modeled after this command of Jesus to go and make more and better disciples. But what I want to talk about this morning is this. The making of more disciples begins right here by making better disciples of all of us. Once we become better followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have the tools and the strength that we need to make more and more disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Write this down as we begin. To build up the body, to do this mission, first of all, we've got to build our staff. We've got to build our team. Now listen close. You see, the right number of pastors with the right skills are needed to equip and build up God's people into better followers of Jesus. The Bible says this. So Christ gave himself, himself gave the pastors and teachers to equip his people for what? That's us, his people, for works of service so that the body of Christ, that's us, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, a mature body, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then the scripture goes on and says, then... We will no longer be babies. We'll no longer be baby Christians that just can only take milk. Those that are tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And there's some churches and pastors that are doing that today and teaching wrong things and teaching heresy. But then the scripture goes on. You'll no longer be babies, but instead... Body, what I want you to do is I want you to speak the truth in love. And as we do that, we will, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of who? Of Jesus Christ, who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. As each part, as each one of us does its work. 
Folks, any team needs the right number of players on the field to win. And since this economy thing kind of hit us in the last few years, and we're all dealing with it, not just churches, but every household, we had to downsize, and and we kind of had to understaff, and that's brought us to a place as a church of being kind of gridlocked. And yeah, we kept our core ministries going and our core ministries strong, but we need to go to the next level. Any team needs the right coaches to build them up and to equip them to win. And once again, we're still understaffed and we're gridlocked. So for Canyon Hills to make more and better disciples, we need, as we've been talking about, to expand our pastoral team and our support staff. And once again, as we begin, let's look at the team we need to build. We need to expand the pastor of adults position from half-time to three-quarter time this year. Now, Pastor Carlos, as you know, he's a leader. He's a builder. He's a hugger. Amen? (laughs) He'll hug you if you don't get out of his way. And I need more of his time to help us build some of the ministries that, that we need to build to expand. We need then to expand the pastor of students to include college and and newly married and it's with my great joy and pleasure to say we have already done that we have found that right pastor to help us do that and they're here with us this morning pastor david hopper and his wife elisa would you stand and would you welcome them to our staff they're right here (laughs) amen so junior hires and high schoolers and college and new marrieds get to know them you're going to love them like we do Then we need to reinstate the youth intern position. Pastor Calvin has moved up from junior high director uh, as of this coming week to high school director. And we now need to replace Calvin. And we're looking and we're searching. We've got some ideas for who might best fill in that position. We need to then compensate our children's coordinator position. We've got a gal who's been working her heart out for a long time. And we need more of her time. And we need to just give her a little bit of help so that she can do that. And then we need to add an operations manager position, not full-time, not part-time, just a little bit of time because what you probably don't know is I spend over 50% of my time working on administrative, operation, HR, insurance, financial kind of things that need to be done by somebody who's a lot smarter than me in those kind of things, all right? And we just need to put that in somebody else's hands that really can hone those things in and help us so that I can spend my time. I really don't think you want me spending my time there. And so I need somebody to kind of help me do some of those things. And here's the cost that we've been talking about to build this team. This is going to require an additional 90000 over the next nine months. And that would get us all of those positions, and that would get us started. But truthfully, even though some of us, to keep this going, we're going to have to commit beyond those nine months to kind of keep this going And so we're going to have to commit to kind of give birth to this team. But we also believe, as our elders and and, and our staff praise about this, that the results of this team are going to bring a new momentum and some extra growth that's going to help our regular giving to then support this team. So what we're asking is that that you'll help give birth over the next nine months. It kind of works, right? Give birth over the next nine months to this, this total team. And not one of us can do this alone. We all need to pitch in and kind of help. 
Here's, here's what today is already in for this team. First of all, we have over $16,000 of cash in hand. Let's just praise God for that. Amen? <clears throat> we have commitments already committed for the next nine months of over $17,000. That's from, from this June beginning now through the end of February. And so the total for the building the body commitment is over $33,000. We're over, we're, we're over a third of the way there. And so we just need to praise God for that. But we also, it needs to let you know, we need some help, some more help to give birth to this team. And maybe you came today, even today, ready to fill out your building the body card or to write your first check towards your commitment. And you can put that on your envelope and on your check, just what you want to go to building the body. But folks, let's give birth so that we can make more and better disciples. Nobody's getting a raise These are new positions to help us build the body of Christ in a far more effective way. You know, the mission of our staff is just what Jesus says it needs to be, to equip and build up the body of Jesus. That's you. And we do that to do greater works of service in the name of Jesus. So when any one of us has trouble, when any one of us is in a struggle... You've got somebody coming alongside of you who's doing a work of service in your life. Our mission is to then help you grow and mature so that you can stand firm in Jesus. So that when things hit you in life, and they do and they will, you don't shrivel up. You don't run from the church, but you run to the church. And you find people there who are doing works of service and surrounding you and caring for you in those hard times. And we do all of this so that we become mature and strong so that we can make more and better followers of Jesus. And this morning, I want to stand here and I want to promise you that our staff and the leaders and the ministries of this church will equip you and we will do our best to build you into stronger followers of Jesus Christ. Now listen, if you will let us, if you will let us, Our team is focused on doing our part. But you got to do your part if we're going to accomplish our mission in your life and in the lives of the people of our community. To build up the body, first of all, we got to build up our staff, our coaches, our team, whatever you want to call it. We've got to build up our team. And that will equal helping build the body. Next, but there's something else we need to do. Something in my heart and mind that is critical. And I, and I want to talk with you this morning about something I've never really hammered on before. And it's my prayer that what I'm about to share will, will somehow move our hearts and cause us to be more faithful to God and faithful to His total body here than we've ever been before. And I want to use a story from 1 Samuel to help us look at a problem in the body of Christ, not only here but everywhere, And and, and I want to use this story to help us move toward a change in how we're living our lives for Jesus Christ. Take a look at this story on the screen. The Bible says, Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon feast. You will be missed because your seat will be empty. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place, his seat, was empty again. Then Saul, King Saul, said to his son Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse, David, 
Why hasn't he come to the meal either yesterday or today? Write this down. The second thing we need to do to build up our body, we got to be in our seat. We got to be in our seats. You see, pastors can't equip or strengthen empty seats. Like, go for it, baby, go for it. (laughs) We can't strengthen empty seats. We can't build them up. And beyond that, empty seats generate all kinds of questions. To King Saul, David's absence initiated questions. Jonathan said to David, you'll be missed at the banquet table of King Saul. You're supposed to be there. And if you're not there, you will be missed. You'll be missed because your seat, the place where you always sit, will be empty. And then it came time for the king's banquet. The king sat down at his seat. Everybody else sat down at their seat. And when the king surveyed all the guests at his table, he noticed that one seat was empty. And listen, it was like that one seat had a voice. It was like that seat began to initiate questions. Questions like, That is David's seat. Where is David? David is not in his seat. David was not here yesterday. David's not here again today. What's going on with David? Is he okay? Folks, that is the voice of the empty seat. And notice that the empty seat initiated all kinds of questions. You see... When you are not in your seat in church, a lot of folks want to know why. Your empty seat has a voice. And it begins to initiate questions. Now listen, as followers of Jesus, we ought to be an exclamation point, not a question mark. Amen? Amen. We not should not initiate more questions in people's minds, but we should be an exclamation mark. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I am here in God's house in my seat. We ought to be seated at the table with Jesus the King. In church with Jesus the King. Now, the church that I grew up in had not chairs. We, we had hard wood pews. And those pews in those days didn't even have pads on them. And in that church, we had no air conditioning. And in the summertime, I remember that at the end of church, we we would just try to get up. And because your legs would kind of sweat and your back would kind of sweat, you'd kind of pull your shirt off the back of the pew and lift each leg. And everything was just kind of sticking there. So I want you to thank God for these little white chairs this morning. All right. Amen. (laughs) And the nice blue ones we usually have. But in that church, most everybody always sat in the same seat. You knew where they were going to seat. And if their seat was empty, it was noticed. And I remember my family going home from church week after week after week. And over Sunday lunch... The same questions always came up. I wonder where so-and-so was this week. I missed them. You see, their seat was empty and their empty seat had a voice. Where are they? Are they okay? I know they weren't feeling well. Did they end up in the hospital? 
Did they fall off the wagon? (laughs) Where are they? You see, what we need to understand is that Jesus tells us that the body of Christ is connected. We are connected. And when a body part is missing, it's noticed. It's noticed. If your hand was missing, would you notice it? If your kneecap was missing, would you notice it? When a body part is not there, it's noticed. And some of you think that you are not missed when you are not here. Some of you think that I don't know where you sit, but I do. I know that Louie and Kathy are always there. And Joshua is always here. And Kevin and Jody are always there. I know where you sit. And you are creatures of habit. I know when you're not here. I know when you're not in your seat. And sometimes, honestly, it's hard for me to preach because your empty seat has a voice in my head. And I am up here and I'm trying to to proclaim God's word to you the best that I can. And there's your empty seat screaming in my head. Why are they not here? It's way easy to notice. And then I begin to wonder, are you okay? Are you in the hospital? Did you fall off the wagon? What, what's going on? So listen, I want to drive home the importance of being in your seat at church most every weekend. And I know that doesn't sound like a thrilling topic. <laughs> but listen... We ought to live our lives in such a way that when somebody is wondering whether or not they ought to follow our God, and they look at our example, they say, now that is the way to live. I see them getting up, and they've got their kids in tow, and and they're going out, and and they're going to church every single week, and I, I listen to how they talk. I look at how they smile at their neighbors and us, and that's the way to live. And the way we ought to live should not be a question mark. When they look at our example, is that how a Christian really lives? I'm not sure I want to live that way. But instead, we ought to live to be an exclamation point. And they look and they say, that is the way to live. Their God does make a difference in their life. But are we? I think we just need to understand, we are living in a time when faithfulness to worshiping God with the rest of His body is in decline. We are plagued with an unprecedented absenteeism in worship services around the world. In the body of Christ, there's this lack of, this growing lack of priority that some are placing on worshiping our matchless king with the rest of his body every week. And the lack of attendance is alarming to me. It's amazing to me that on any given week, our attendance here could swing 100 people. One way or the other. In any given week. But it didn't used to be that way. And I want to say to you this morning, if we want America to be a great nation once again, it's not about the president, it's about this nation and these families getting back in church on a regular basis. Amen? And that's not to just please the pastor, 
But it's to please and worship the one who took the cross off of your back and put it on his back and says, you're forgiven. Amen? Amen. It's to please the king. The Bible says this. Some have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. We need to set aside a day a week, a Sabbath, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, when we say, this is the day that my house goes to church. This is the day when the body of Christ gathers together and I don't want to be the missing hand. I don't want to be the missing legs. I want to be there with my matchless king. You know what he's saying here? He's saying the time of the coming of the Christ is getting closer. So do not stop getting together for worship. Don't disassemble. For the body of Christ, assembly is required. Don't scatter. Let's not get lax in our attendance. Instead, let's assemble. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Folks, we got to learn, if we're going to be not fans of Jesus, but followers of Jesus, we got to give up some of the other stuff to be here with Jesus. Amen? And in Southern California, when the weather's nice and there's lots of stuff to do, that's hard. And I understand as... As, as a person and as a pastor, the distractions that come. But we got to give up that other stuff or at least make it wait till after church. When you're a Christian, you believe different than the world. You speak different than the world. You act in ways different from the world. Your priorities are different than those in the world. And it does not matter what your neighbor does on the weekend. It doesn't matter if he's playing golf or if he's watching the game on TV or if he's sleeping in. What matters is that your house is in your seat in the Lord's house to worship the king. Amen? Amen. That's what matters. And it doesn't matter if your church has a great facility and great music and a pastor who preaches great messages or if your church consists of nothing more than four poles and a roof that's covered by banana leaves and a bongo drum to lead the music and a pastor who can barely read the word of God. You need to be in your seat present at the king's table so he can feed you and build you up. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's just praise God. Let's praise God. Coming to church is not about a performance. It's about your presence. And if we're going to perform for anybody, we perform to the king. And we give worship to him. Church needs to be our number one priority in our houses. It's the most important thing in our lives. Because listen close now. How you treat this body of Christ is how you are treating Jesus himself. Because he declares the church is his body. Think about that. Now listen, if being in church is not your number one priority, you will not be built up. You will not grow stronger. You'll continue to be weak in your faith. Then your marriage is going to struggle. Then your kids are going to struggle. Your gifts are not going to be used for God. You're not going to make much of a difference in people's lives. You're not going to help this body make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ because you will be so weak. Ever wonder why geese 
when they fly, they fly in a V formation. You ever thought about that? It's because they know that if they want to complete this long migration south, they've got to fly together. And scientists tell us that flying in formation increases their flight range by 71%. You see, each time a bird flaps its wings, it provides an uplift for the bird behind. And therefore, they don't have to expend near the energy. They can conserve their energy. The workload is far less because they fly in formation. Now, when a goose tries to fly solo, it's not going to make it south. But in formation, the youngest and the oldest and the weakest get there. When they take the journey together, they make it home. God is saying in Hebrews 10.25, stay in formation, body. (laughs) Stay together. Fly together. And you'll make it home. Amen? Amen. You'll make it home together. But when you're not here, you can't flap. Amen? (laughs) So people, when they come, they may need need some uplift. They've had a hard week, and they need your hug, and they need your encouragement, and they need to walk by and say, would you just stop right now and pray for me? And if you're not here, you can't help. And if you're not here, you can't get help. The question is, how in the world can pastors and teachers build you up and equip you for an effective, fruitful life if you're not in your seat? If you're not in formation? Don't give up meeting together, God says, because it's important for you, it's important for your family, it's important for this body of Christ to be effective. Now, a lot of times you hear people say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, I'm here to say that absence does not make the heart grow fonder. The truth is, absence causes the heart to wander. Absence from God's house causes the heart to wander and get more distant from God. And if you don't stay in church, I know you and you know you. You will wander back into some of the same old junk that God has been pulling you out of. And all of God's church said, amen. Some of us have learned that. And so the key to victorious living is to get in your seat, in God's house, and worship Him and learn from Him. And some of you might say, but I've heard everything you've got to say, Pastor. When I come, I don't learn anything new. I know there's everything that there is to know. I know it all. Well, I don't think you do. But if you do, does that give you an excuse from consistently being in church to give worship and love back to God who's given so much love and grace to you? Do you come to church just for knowledge and inspiration or do you come to acknowledge Him and adore Him, acknowledge Him in adoration? Listen, church is not something you do only if you feel like it. You know, you and I need to have such love and passion for God and His house that when the doors are open, we get up, we get dressed, we get here, and we get in our seats. But some of, some of you get up on the weekend and you're still debating. <laughs> Should we go this week? Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of tired. How about you? Should we go? I don't, I don't know. 
I'm kind of tired. We, we worked really hard this week. I don't know. May, let's just stay at home. There's, there's some good DVR recordings. Let's, let's just stay at home. But if you're still debating, I wonder if you've really, really, really experienced Christ in your life. Because if you have, there is no debate. There is no debate. No, it's I've got to go. I've got to go worship the one who loves me more than anybody else. You see, fans of Jesus, they hit and they miss and they skip depending on the best offer, depending on the ball game on TV or if the angels are in town. But followers of Jesus do not forsake the assembling of themselves together with the rest of the body of Christ. And of course, there's times of sickness and a death in the family or vacation time. But is that happening in your life every other week? (laughs) Or for three to seven weeks in a row and then you finally get a letter from Pastor Larry and you're embarrassed? (laughs) Your empty seat says that Jesus may be your Savior, but He's not your Lord. That He may be your Savior, but He's not first. He may be your savior, but he's second to your passion for sports or for sleep or for something else. But when you really have a relationship with Jesus, the debate is over and you get up and you say to your family, kids, we're going to church. We're going to meet with our matchless king and we're going to meet with people of God. We're going to church. There's no debate. Now, I don't come to church because it's my job. I come because it's my joy. And it's the best part of my week. And even when I go on vacation, folks, i got to tell you, it's true. I can't wait to get back. Sometimes I go on vacation, and yeah, I'm physically tired, and I'm mentally and emotionally wrung out, and I need a vacation. But I can't wait to get back. You give me two or three weeks, and I can't wait to get back. And as soon as the music starts and we start singing praises together with God, I can't hold back the tears. We need to come to the place where we can honestly say, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. We need to be able to say with David, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be the janitor of Canyon Hills that locks and unlocks the door in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked outside the house of God. When you come to church, do you realize that you are in the courts of God and that God is here? My paraphrase of what David is saying is this. I want to go to church. (laughs) I want to be in the courts of my God. And Jesus says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And that tells me that there's something extra special about the closeness of God. When we gather together as his body, that doesn't happen when we worship him alone or when we listen to a TV preacher or something online. Will you commit this next year to not let your seat in God's house be empty unless it's beyond your control? Will you let the pastors and teachers of this church family speak into your life and build you up and equip you for better works of service? Will you worship God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength in this place? 
Would you, would you so worship God that before Aaron says, put your hands together, we're already clapping. We're already praising and worshiping God. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, I thought you were going to talk about our vision today. <laughs> well, I am. I'm going to talk about some things that are coming. But first, God put it on my heart that we need to get a greater vision of worshiping God as the body of Christ that we are. Or we'll never be able to execute any vision. We're together as his body. Let's be in our seats. Let's be worshipers of him. To build the body, we've got to build our staff. Then we've got to be in our seat. And then last, write this down. And we've got to be serving. We've got to be serving. The Bible says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. To serve, and when it's talking about this right here, it's talking about serving us. Use your gifts to serve the other people in your church family, in the body of Christ. And of course, we can serve other people outside the body, and we should, we do. But he's talking about use your gifts to give others uplift, to help other people. And here's four ways quickly that we can serve. First of all, serve by praying. This week, we are launching the Tower of Prayer Ministry. The first Thursday of each month, you can gather in our upper tower room with a prayer team from 6.30 to 8.30, and you can lift up this body of believers and their requests to the Lord. And if you need prayer, you can just walk in, you can just show up, and this team will pray for your requests at that moment. The Tower of Prayer starts this coming Thursday. There's a leadership team of a dozen people or so, and you can just show up and join them this Thursday. You don't have to call. You don't have to do, You just show up whenever you can, whether it's 6.30, 7.30, or quarter to 8. You just show up, and you spend time in prayer. And we're going to be lifting this body to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Our staff's still going to be praying for your requests on Tuesdays, but this team's going to be praying for your requests on that Thursday, and we hope that we can build enough leadership team that it happens every single Thursday so that anytime you've got a need, you can walk in and have prayer. Commit yourself to praying, and guess what? If you pray, you're going to get built up. Something's going to happen. If you begin to serve others in other, in other ways, you're going to be built up. Next, then serve by connecting. You know, a lot of times we feel like we've got nothing to offer anybody else, but everybody needs somebody. And sometimes they all, all they need is a smile at the beach or just somebody to talk to. And you can make yourself available to others through some of our summer family connection events. And this is just one of them that's coming up. And you can just go to those events and be available to listen and to talk and just connect and encourage people, give them a lift. And in the process, you just might make some new connections, some new friends. So commit yourself to serving by connecting. And guess what? As you try to serve, you'll probably get built up and blessed in the process. Next, serve by going. Go with the team to the Philippines. I'm taking another team this February to the island of Palawan to help train and encourage pastors and wives of our sister's churches. You could go with us. Go with us to Juarez. Help our sister church go to the next level of ministry. 
We've got a women's team of, of 11 women taking off to India, and the team is full, and it's all set. But, but you could be a part of something like that. Go with us to Long Beach every other month and help us feed the hungry. We're now beginning to look at some more local needs. What can we do to meet the needs of our community? Pastor Carlos and I are meeting with another pastor in Placentia this coming week to talk about how can we do what we've done at Juarez but do it here locally. How can we come alongside another pastor and right here locally where it's not so far to go and we, the body, give them some lift, amen? Amen. And we're looking at all, and you can serve by going with a team and it's not gonna take a lot of time sometimes. But you can make a big difference. And in the process, if you've ever been on a mission trip, you know you go to give and you go to serve, but you come home what? Blessed. You come home built up. Next, serve by sharing. A day is coming when we're going to begin phase one of our community center. This community center is is a part of the original vision that God spoke into my heart, and he's still not removed that vision. And phase one is something that we can pretty much pull off by ourselves. And as we talked about last year, we can use our own time and our own muscles and many of our own connections and and things to build phase one. And phase one is just a simple multi-purpose court that will allow us to start some ministries that will help us make more disciples. And we can use that to have some after-school basketball and volleyball events for children and leagues for adults. Phase one is something that we can do together. We don't have a timetable, but I want you to know it's still on the pastor's radar. It's coming. It's going to happen. And one day, there'll be phase two. Look at this. It's going to move then moved into to something that's all covered and lit. And then it's going to go to phase three, something that's beginning to look more like a, a full community center. And then it's going to come to phase four. And that's a full community center with like a little coffee shop thing and a little kitchen thing and outdoor bathrooms and things like that. It's going to be a full-on community center. And it's going to take time and it's going to take commitment. But when the time is right and the elders sense that, that it's time to move forward, we as the body of Christ will move forward. You can commit to share what you have to make this a reality. And as you do that, you will be built up. Now listen, when you begin serving in these four ways, you will help build up this body. But you'll also help us make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Folks, what I'm trying to say this morning is this. To build up this body, we've got to first build our staff. We've then got to be in our seat. And then we've got to be serving. We've got to build our staff so that we can build our body. We've got to, every week, we've got to be in our seat in God's house to worship the king so that we can be strengthened and equipped. And we've got to be serving because that's where more and better disciples are made is when we give what we have, when we use our gifts to give somebody lift. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray a prayer as we close, and I'd encourage you to pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it. But would you seriously think about how God has made you and how God has gifted you and how God would like to use you to strengthen this body? Would you bow your heads, and as I pray, would you pray it in your heart? Father, I want to be equipped and built up. 
I want to be part of equipping and building others up. So today I commit to do what you ask me to do. So that our body will grow stronger and stronger. And that our body will continue to make more and better disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you today gathered all together and we just lift you up. We worship you. Father, not only as adults in this sanctuary, but kids over in the children's room, we we lift you up. We worship you as our king. And we pray that you would so pour out the blessing of your Holy Spirit upon us that this year, this body would move to a new level whatever level you call us to go to. Build us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Happy birthday.